Welcome to the Doing Cool Things podcast, a career podcast brought to you by the Knowlton Center for Career Exploration. I'm your host, David Snyder. Thank you for joining today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the Doing Cool Things podcast. I'm your host, David Snyder, uh, joined with 2004 Denison alum, Vanessa Miller. Vanessa, thanks for joining today. How are you? Happy to be here. Thank you, David. So, uh, first kind of que- set of questions I've been asking guests. Uh, where did you grow up? Um, what did you study while you are at Denison? And what did you want to be when you grew up? Hmm. Okay. I grew up right down the road, actually, in Newark, Ohio, um, born and raised. Uh, popped over to Denison for college. So I lived in Ohio for the first, I don't know, like 26 years of my life. I, I moved to Cleveland after I graduated. So um, so that's where I grew up. Um, what was the second question? What did you study? What did I study? Denison? I was, yeah, so I was a communication and math double major, which is very odd. Um, I don't think as a combination you see that often. And how that happened was I was really... I, I was really interested in communication, but I also felt guilty stopping taking math at, because you kind of yeah. take a math class every single year as you're growing up, and it just felt like good hygiene. So I signed up for a math class my freshman year, and it just kind of stuck. So uh, I was a, a double major. Um, and then what did I want to be when I grew up? When I was 10, I wanted to grow up and play professional basketball in the NBA, and I was pretty committed that I would be one of the first women to do that. Um, obviously, since then, you know, we've had like the ABL and the WNBA mm-hmm. and all those, all, so many more options for female athletes. But um, I, so that didn't really totally work out. And my backup job that I wanted when I grew up was to grow up and make Nike ads for a living. I was really into to Nike as a brand um, in the 90s. And Michael Jordan as a spokesperson for you know he was in, had a ton of Nike ads back in the day and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna make those I didn't really know how it worked though but this I'm sure we'll get into that on this podcast yeah absolutely that's I, I also had dreams of professional sports among many other things also quickly <laughs> dashed I guess oh um, sorry that's okay that right. happens for so many of us <laughs> so um, but, but getting into that and then a little bit as far as wanting to do those Nike ads. That's something you ended up getting to do in your career. Um, Can you tell me what your role is now? Uh, A little bit more about your career path and and what's led you to this point? Yeah, Um, so I would probably start, I mean, it started, like I said, in 1992. I would sit in front of the TV and wait for Nike ads to come on TV and just intently watch them. And if I could, I'd try to record them um, on the VCR, which is ridiculous, but I did do that. And I had Nike ads kind of plastered all over my walls. I used to get Sports Illustrated as like a 10-year-old. And I would... SI for kids. Yeah. Well, no, I got like Sports Illustrated for grown-ups. Oh, that was good. (laughs) Pretty intense. And I would um, pull out the ads and and, uh, basically glue them to my walls. So my mom had fun, I'm sure, like peeling those off one by one after I graduated. But um, so started way back then. And, uh, you know, through my Denison career, I took, I took a lot of communication classes and probably the second big beat in the story was as I was thinking about what I wanted my senior thesis to be. So in, back then, I don't know if this is still the case, but to graduate from the honors department, you had to write a thesis. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted my topic to be and I wanted it to be something I was excited about engaging with for a year because it takes forever to write a thesis. 
And um, my faculty advisor at the time, Lisbeth Lapari, was like, just pick something you care about. Like, don't don't sign yourself up to study something that that bores you. Like, what what are you really interested in? And so I wrote a thesis about um, it's called Nike Feminism and the corporate construction of the female athlete. <laughs> it was basically interrogating Nike ads that had been produced over a 20-year period and debating whether or not, you know, that the way that Nike was portraying women in advertising made them a feminist corporation or not. And, you know, since then, obviously, there's been a ton of conversation around this topic. Um, but at the time, I was really excited to study that. And so that kind of got me involved in, more involved in thinking about advertising and, and this agency in particular, Wyden and Kennedy, that is the agency of record for Nike in, in Beaverton, Oregon, um, long-standing agency since the 80s. Um, so so I'd kind of uh, like accidentally done all this research on this company. Um, and so when I actually, when I graduated, my first job out of school, I was a management consultant at Deloitte. It was a little bit of a stop along the way. Um, I made s- some connections through that job, got to got to an agency job um, down the street in Cleveland. It was, it was like connecting the dots. Here I am at Deloitte. How do I get there to Wyden and Kennedy? And, you know, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't as quickly as I wanted it to be. But I, I basically uh, created a, a, a bridge for myself to get there. So um, I, I took a job at a small agency in Cleveland, learned as much as I possibly could, and then I found someone at Widen and Kennedy in Portland and just relentlessly emailed them until they I wore them down. It took about three years. Um, and then finally I got an interview and I won them over. And that was in 2008. I've been at Widen and Kennedy ever since. That's amazing. And three of three on guests so far, speaking to the power of networking, how important has that been to you in your career? <sighs> um, it's, I mean, it is certainly the only way to get a job once you've been in <laughs> been in, you know, the out in the world working, um, like m- all of the opportunities that I hear about are through people I've worked with someplace else. Um, and that's how everyone kind of moves through their career. So ne- networking is huge. I mean, it's, it's kind of got a bad rep. It's, I wish there were a better word than networking, one that's felt more warm and cheerful. <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> um, but, you know, getting, getting my first opportunity my first couple really good opportunities out of college it was all you know who who can I find that can help make an introduction for me and and maybe it's not this person but they can they can set me up with someone else who can make an introduction for me and you know it's it's really stressful when you're young and just getting started to cold call people and Mm -hmm. pick up the phone I don't know if people even do that anymore pick up the phone but sending emails and reaching out and just making those connections can feel very like, you know, of course it can feel very weird, <laughs> but it's ne- it's essential. Um, we in in one of our presentations, one of my colleagues um, refers to networking as creepy, awkward conversations with strangers. Yep, and, totally. Yep. Right. <laughs> so we'd like to get it beyond that point into that relationship uh, building stage, but yeah, it's a unique unique process yep. into building those relationships. So. Uh, you know, as you reflect on your career, um, what have been some of the biggest changes that you've experienced um, personally through your journey in advertising thus far? Uh, biggest changes I've experienced? Mm-hmm. Uh, prof- you know, maybe it's professional interest, maybe it's type of projects you want to be a part of. 
uh, maybe where you see the industry going. Pretty mm-hmm. open-ended question. Pretty open-ended. Yeah. Um, it, I think I've, I've noticed, I've started to feel that I'm in a transition period in my career where I first came in and the, in the first couple jobs I was doing were stepping into a team that's already established and with a client that's kind of built up working on projects that are, you know, uh, not, I won't say typical, but, you know, a little bit more predictable. Um, And in the last few years, probably like five years of my career, it's been more uh, like perspective and just um, bringing in new clients and building new processes and uh, new ways of doing things and, you know, putting a team together where there wasn't one before. And that's been a really interesting shift and is is fun for me because I like building things, um, but also it's interesting because it's kind of like it's kind of like building a startup within the comfort <laughs> of something that's already established. So you, you have like a little less risk involved, maybe. So that's been a shift that I've noticed recently that I've been kind of into. You know, I guess, what do you find most rewarding about building that team, building that some, something new? Is it something that's kind of always been there, or is it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was the kind of student who wanted to try to do the, pro- the project by myself all the time. Like, if we got signed up with a team, I wanted to, I was the one that was, was like the leader. I wanted to be in control of it and leave my mark on it. So, to me, building something new gives you that, gives you that ability that you don't always have when you're, you know, carrying a torch for someone else or picking up where someone else left off. You get to you get to decide like, oh, this didn't really work. Well. This I didn't like the way this worked on the last piece of business or the last account. I'm going to change it or I'm going to experiment and try something new. Um, I'm going to hire people that I that I that I think are most qualified or maybe sometimes, you know, overlooked and that I want I think are interesting. Um, but I think the most rewarding part about my job is is managing other people and, and dealing with people and just human interaction. So yeah, helping them achieve yeah their exactly. goals and exactly yeah, that's awesome. But you know, get a lot of that here in a sense working in the Knowlton Center. You get to see a lot of students <laughs> achieve their goals. Yeah, and it's wonderful. It's, yeah, it's great. Um, you know, thinking back on your Denison experience, what were some of the things that stand out to you as far as helping prepare you uh, for your career? you know, maybe something that might have been obvious and something that might have been a light bulb moment later, like, oh, okay, I see how this finally paid off. Hmm. I think, oh my gosh, I mean, I overcommitted myself for sure as a student. I I had a lot of irons in the fire, and I think that prepared me <laughs> for the real world. Like, just that notion of having a lot going on, having to figure out how to prioritize it, and that idea that like busy people actually have more energy is very counterintuitive, but I think it's true. Um, so I'm, I guess I'm glad I did do that. Um, I, I ran cross country and track as well while I was here. So, you know, trying to f- just like figuring out the balance of being a grown up and how to like, how to, I, I think I learned work life balance or try the concept of work life balance early, at an early age, which I think is maybe not something everybody is dealing with. So that, was a good prep for yeah yeah Yeah, as an adult there's always something yeah uh, whether it's a bill coming up or you know I still need to do this job and I need to find time to work out I need to find kind of time to cook a meal yeah you know like the 80 20 rule you know that um 
you can't you can't get it all done. What is it like twenty percent of tasks are responsible for eighty percent of outcomes? And it's again, it's like super counterintuitive. But there are emails that you just are not going to read. And if you can accept that and find peace in it, let the email fly past. It's a it's a that's the only way to get sleep at night. You know. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be up answering all of them <laughs> at all hours Impossible. of the day. Yeah. Um, in your opinion. Uh, Having been in advertising, what do you think is the most important personality trait or strength that someone would need to be successful? Um, oh, one single personality trait? Oh, I mean, <laughs> putting you on the spot with that one. Yeah, maybe like adapt- <laughs> maybe it could be too. Yeah. Adaptability, maybe. Yeah. Um, it's it can be a little stressful. Like as like I said, I'm I'm a characterize myself as a bit of a control freak, and when you're in college, it's very predictable. You know what time class starts, you know what time class ends, you know how you know when you're going to get your homework done or you know or if you're a procrastinator, you know how like how much time you have to wait until the absolute last minute to do your homework and you have a schedule and it's and you know if you do if you work really hard and if you study, you're probably going to do well and there's just this predictability I think to it. Um that's very comforting for a control freak like me. We get into uh, well, I'll just speak for my industry, but it's very, uh, no, no two days are the same. Uh, you wake up in the morning, sometimes you thought you were starting at this time, and that meeting is canceled, and you're actually starting it. Instead of 9.30, you're starting it at 10.30, or maybe instead of 9.30, someone sent you an email in the middle of the night, you have to start at 8.30. The, the hours are unpredictable, um, and, you know, you find flexibility where you can, but also the problems are unpredictable. Like, business is always happening (laughs) and clients are dealing with problems at every moment of the day and we are helping them solve those problems through communication and you know so you just aren't sure what you're going to be doing that day you could be it could be a very predictable day where you're going on a tv shoot and you're going to capture a commercial the one that you plan to and but even on set stuff's going to happen that you're just like oh we didn't oops <laughs> didn't see that coming so I think like adaptability is really important um, but also you know the and the ability to maintain a positive attitude I think like even when things are terrible the ability to joke about it because um, it is it is kind of a crazy business and it moves quickly so I think like being able to keep up with it and also not take it too seriously I mean that's just really important in life yeah. but yeah I agree I, I'm a believer in the motto of like take your work seriously but not yourself yeah I yeah i think it's a good we i don't balance. think we take sometimes we don't even take our work that seriously right. <laughs> but yeah it's it's a strange it's a strange business so yeah so, um you know talking a little bit about those challenges uh what's one of the biggest challenges you're facing right now uh either in your role or a particular project and how are you tackling that challenge anyone who doesn't say like future of work. Yeah. I don't I mean I wonder what they're doing. But the pandemic obviously opened Pandora's box on like new ways of working and trying to figure out how to how to what the best way to get the get the job done is. And the lid is not going back on anytime soon. So just trying to figure out how to collaborate with people um, from all over the place working from home, when you're in the office, do it just, I think it made us re it made us rethink and question like 
simple things like, do we need to fly all the way to Chicago for a one hour meeting? Like we did that sure. before the pandemic and we're never going to do that again. It's crazy. So I think, and like, if we're not all in the office, can we, is it, are those the best conditions for, you know, creativity to thrive and to collaborate? Like what are the pros and cons? Like we, I, I was just listening to another podcast actually, um, recently with, uh, there's a, is a podcast about creative leadership and the guest was talking about years of experience. And when people come on to a, to, into a meeting or, you know, introduce themselves, hi, I'm Vanessa and I have 18 years of experience. She was saying, no, 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 no. Like nobody had, everyone has two years of experience at this point. We all have two years, you know, That's like a the, really interesting perspective. The, the world has changed. So I don't even know what I don't know, um, about, <laughs> about, the future of work. And I think that's the, the biggest thing that we're probably trying to figure out right now is like, because it's it also has had such an influence on humans, humans, human beings and mm-hmm. consumers and in a, in a job that we're, we're trying to solve that problem. This is very meta maybe, but we are dealing with that. But so are the people that we're trying to talk to, um, every day. So it's just a lot going on. Yeah. It's, it, it almost, feels cliche a little bit to talk about, but at the same time, it's kind of this core truth that everyone has happening at the same time. Yeah. It'd be interesting to read the books on this. Oh my God. One day. Well, there are already so many. Right. <laughs> it's a lot of literature to get through. So, especially as, you know, you talked a little bit about like managing people, finding that rewarding. I'm sure the last two years have been interesting as far as checking in with people, keeping up on projects. Um, what have you learned about yourself as a, as a people motivator? Hmm. That um, <laughs> yeah, the last two years have been the just like incredibly rewarding, but incredibly heavy, you know, like yeah. as someone who is responsible for people and and like making sure that they are getting what they need to do their best work. It, it, it's been hard, like just having to have that presence and be empathetic and like sit down with people and make sure that they feel valued and heard and you know I mean even just keeping an eye on whether people are working to, I, heard, I heard this stat it's kind of crazy and I'm gonna totally butcher it but something like like I said this is directional I'm gonna butcher it but like when asked it was like 80% of employees felt super burnt out at work this was in I think 2021 and then this, the follow-up question was like, you know, do you feel comfortable talking to your manager about it? And like 70% of people said they did not feel comfortable talking to their manager about it. And so that's the problem, I think, is it's a huge problem. It's in like an endemic to corporate America and, and our industry. But that people, we basically put it on the employee to... Like you're burnt yeah. out. Oh, you should go for a walk. No, 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 no. Yeah. Like it's my job to help you, to help, to help make you excited again, and if to give you a break if you need one, and keep you inspired, and and make time to listen to you. So what I've what I've learned during the pandemic is I actually have like a huge capacity for that kind of thinking and that kind of work that I don't think everyone necessarily does innately, and it is very valuable to me <laughs> because it is the future of leadership. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that, actually. That, that was a surprising, I thought, I kind of always knew it about myself, but um, I discovered a strength in, you know, the, the depths of this despair, I guess. Right, that's, yeah, <laughs> probably the right word for that. Um, 
Yeah, no, that, that's an interesting perspective. Interesting. I'll have to look up, see what those. I butchered it. Yeah, but, but that, that, directionally, right? Yeah. That's, uh, Harvard, that's interesting. I think it was in, I read it in Harvard Business Review. Okay. I'll try to find it and send it to you. Awesome. So yeah, that's uh, you know I feel very lucky to to be in a in an, in an industry in a place that's very receptive to those conversations and you know you're right it's not just the 15 minute you know yeah rub some dirt on it you yeah. know and move oh it's forward. been interesting too I've been back on campus doing alumni stuff and just even the conversation around the new health center and all of those conversations around. Uh, mental wellness and well-being is just like great because it's so it's just so relevant to what's going on in the world right now and what I'm seeing even at my company like so it's just yay Denison (laughs) Um, when you know thinking about yourself then so you've you found this capacity for uh, helping others through this how do you keep yourself motivated how do you find that drive for yourself well I have I have people that do that same thing for me you know so no matter, and, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm at the height of my career. Certainly not. I'm, I'm in the middle, maybe. But everyone has somebody that they can lean on and, and mentors that they can call upon when they need to have those conversations. So I, I try to be that person for some, and I have, I have the, those people as well for myself. Um, I ha- actually went through a phase where I was extremely busy during the pandemic. It's just so, so working so hard and so what I started doing was every morning I would wake up and I would listen to um I would turn on the station called Calming Classical on Spotify while I was doing my work and it really set set the mood and calmed me down for the day um I also run a lot which is really great therapy not only therapy but it just helps me work through problems that I'm facing whether like personally or even or at work there I we don't we don't spend enough time not in, not engaging with consuming content or media, just like opening our minds and thinking, like blank canvas kind of thing. So that's been that's always been really helpful to me. I've been doing that since I was a student, and it's a great way to work through stress. Yeah, anything. I understand. I do the same thing on the yeah. golf course. I go out there, put my phone in my bag, and you know, yeah. for two hours. It's just kind of ability to think about something. It's it's such a such a blessing to be able to turn your phone off and just you know spend a, an, even 15 minutes like staring at a wall or a tree yeah right <laughs> and that well now I get texts all the time from companies saying we have this sale and it, you know, it's just hard to get away from oh it's impossible everything. yeah <laughs> I think where there's going to be a, I, I'm waiting for the technology backlash where we all go back to flip phones and yeah. we have to send text messages like you know by using the number keys the old nokias that yeah. are, that still have their battery at I, like 98 percent i'm into it never die yeah let's, let's do it i'm, I'm for it <laughs> so um you know touched a little bit there on, on mentorship uh who has been your most important professional mentor uh, through your career hmm. maybe it's um, a few i have a handful yeah. yeah um mainly probably mainly people i've met at widen since i've been there um, I've had some really great bosses that have have since moved on and just kind of stayed in touch. And it's what's great is you find as you you know advance in your career and move from place to place is that you start to kind of div- you you build a family tree, and you there's like a just a built-in network of people that are doing something kind of adjacent to what you're doing, but in a different at a different company. Um, and can offer perspective to you 
um, which has been really helpful. Like, again, just the networking thing. I guess that's less about networking than it is making friends. Yeah, relationship <laughs> building. But, yeah. Um, I have an old boss that texts me every time she's eating a particular food because she's like, yeah. it's made me think of you. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and just like I went for, yeah, like I said, I was I went for a run yesterday, and I had randomly, I had some voice memos uh, sprinkled into my running playlist, and uh, an old colleague's voice came up, and she was wishing me luck on a race that I ran like seven years ago. And it was just like, oh, I have to reach out to her. She's Australian. I love, I love her voice. <laughs> it's like I miss your Australian voice, but also I miss you. And you know, she works at an agency in Australia. They have an office here, and you know, just reaching out, reminding people you're alive, <laughs> goes a long way. Um, when it comes to you know, get just new opportunities presenting themselves um, in in either direction. So. Yeah, I, I try to stay in touch with people. I, I'm better at it than most, but it is difficult once you get up to, you know, in the hundreds of colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you hit the, I don't even know what the limit for LinkedIn connections oh, is, but there's got to be I one. think there's no limit. That's, the that, number of people I, on LinkedIn. That I, I did see someone once they got blocked from, like, making any more connections that oh, particular wow. day. Wow. Okay. So I guess there's at least a spam filter as far as one day is concerned. <laughs> but I guess over the lifetime, <laughs> there's uh, nothing to worry about there. Um, kind of a uh, an odd question here. What's one thing about your job or your field um, that you think no one else agrees with you about? Hmm. I don't think I can come up with anything because we have just uh, – there's such a, de- a culture of debate – where I work, where I work specifically, but in the industry, there's, I think probably every opinion is represented. Mm-hmm. It, that's the whole point of, of what we do is just to like kick the tires and, uh, you know, uncover, uncover truths or insights um, that you maybe always knew but never said, never articulated quite that way um, or that no one's ever thought of before. So I don't know. I'd be really shocked if I could come up with something that no one, that no one agreed with. Um, but I'll, I'll come back to you That's, if I think of something. Yeah, no, that makes sense as far as being able to look at all sides of yeah. that particular project. We, or, yeah, our in our work, it's always like, well, what's the craziest thing we can think of to answer this question? What's the what's the wrongest answer? What's the you know? So you get a you get a like a real range of of thought, and you we work with a bunch of like really singular individuals. <laughs> What's um, what's the most fun project that you've ever been on? Oh, I've I mean, I've done some fun things. I I would have a hard time answering that. Like, I early in my career, I worked at a small agency in Cleveland, and if you ever work at a really tiny agency, you find out that there's you know your help is needed on all sorts of projects in all sorts of ways, and it was a fun. So I like that because it's like, oh, I get to do all this stuff I've never done before. Some people might think it's a little overwhelming, but I worked on this project for White Castle, and there, were, our team was so tiny. I just remember I I had to wear every single hat on this project, and I we had we had wrapped a tiny smart car to look like a cheeseburger, and we were gonna give it away as part that. of a sweepstakes. 
but like I had to be involved with like the installation of the vehicle wrap. I had to drive the car around so people knew that it existed. <laughs> I wrote the sweepstakes copy, which I'm sure was like a horrible idea because I had you know no legal background whatsoever. I had to uh, install an inflatable cheeseburger on top of a restaurant and, you know, had to go to the permit office to get the permit, had to be involved in the design of the cheese. It's, it was crazy. It was like one of the most intense things I've ever done. Every other duty as assigned. Yeah, it was in cool. That project. Well, that was kind of a weird, you know, local, weird, it was like, how are we going to, how are we going to boost sales at the Northeast Ohio White Castle locations? So... That was, you know, that was fun. I've done, I've done a lot of really, everything I've done has been just that weird, though. So, for the most part. So I could go on, but I'll, I'll just leave it there. But I, <laughs> I'm sorry that I missed the tiny cheeseburger car driving around. <laughs> that would have been awesome to Can see. Can you imagine winning that? I don't, I wonder what that person did with that car. That's a great. <laughs> I think you could either accept the car or, or like, you know, the equivalent in cash. So I'm guessing White Castle ended up stuck with that smart car wrapped like a cheeseburger that's a shame i I (laughs) wish someone was driving that thing around it was actually fun to drive yeah it could fit in any parking spot (laughs) tiny cheeseburgers tiny car it all it all makes sense there um what tools are indispensable for you in your work maybe it's soft skill maybe it's Mm -hmm. a hard kind of tool you know particular software you know again open-ended yeah um like every question totally (laughs) so yeah Software, yeah, you know, all the stuff that you need to do anything as a person living in the world, for sure. But um, a sense of, I don't know, just being able to negotiate conflict, which is which is a skill that I think I started building. Well, maybe as a child growing up, my sister and I would I'll always try to scam our parents on things. So we'd have to figure <laughs> out how to negotiate. But, you know, when at Denison, just in those like big discussion based settings you know art i took a class called um guy i can't even totally remember what it was called it was lapari's class i think it was dialogic ethics or something like that and part of it was just a, a big part of it was just being able to have conversations with people about topics you disagree on and and like that being okay that you and i could disagree vehemently about something a lot of times it was like a political issue right and you can have your perspective and I can have mine and we can kind of hold them both up and let them be and talk about them and in a thoughtful, civilized, sort of gracious fashion. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, walk away not necessarily having convinced the other person of your perspective, but understanding where they're coming from. And that, that kind of skill is really important in what I do as in as trivial as it is, because you know sometimes we'll be answering a cheeseburger brief, but there will be a really big disagreement between the client and the agency about how to how best to do that, you know. And I'm the person who is kind of stuck in the middle and has to help argue a lot, you know. And I, it goes both ways. I'm not always just a um, a bulldog on the agency side trying to twist the client's arm into doing something, and I'm I'm also not a corporate yes man who's trying to take the client's feedback and force it down the creative's throats. It's really just, what are the merits in this, on both sides of this conversation? How can we get to the best work possible? And so that can be really stressful. I think especially as brand people are coming up and really junior is just like, 
you don't want to disappoint people and mm-hmm. it can be really stressful um sure there's a lot of like i want to own this i want my ideas to, yeah to be out there and have merit yeah exactly it it can be like a tough spot to be in but once you get good at it it can be really rewarding too because the work does get better um so i think that was a long and winding road of an answer but that, those are my favorite answers. Right? <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, re- reasonable people can disagree, and that's a really good skill. Yeah, sounds like in that world. Well, in all worlds, really. It's you know, and especially not to get into not to go into politics, you know, for real in this conversation. But the polarization of our society right now, it's it's worse than it's ever been, and I think this is a skill that people need. Um, that don't have right really so um so I've I've just found it so valuable and I wish everyone took that class that I took my senior year I think it was a senior seminar or maybe it was I actually don't remember Lisbeth will know but yeah that's yeah no I I recommend that class to everybody it's very easy to get insulated yeah in today's world and the less insulated you are the you know better off I think just everybody is yeah there was a I think it was an economist billboard or ad that just said uh don't read everything you believe which I really like that twist on words instead of don't quote. instead of don't believe everything you read don't read everything you believe so just the you know that notion of seeking out information that isn't necessarily gonna gonna confirm or reconfirm things you already think but look for the the other perspective and you know what is it that I don't understand about this issue or what is it what can I learn that will help me better understand the other side? So, not, again, not to get too political, but <laughs> I am on a college campus. That's right. <laughs> Great place for discourse. Yeah. So, uh, a little bit of a hard shift here, uh, but if you weren't doing what you were doing today, you know, what occupation would you like to try? Well, am I just, like, independently wealthy? Yes. I need more just information. any scenario you okay. want. Right. <laughs> if I could do, if I didn't, if I didn't, weren't doing what I'm doing and I didn't have to worry about money, what would I do? Hmm. Well, I might be a professional basketball player. Yeah. Do I have uh, athletic talent? <laughs> I, let's. Uh, I say yes. I did always want to be a professional athlete. Um, I would probably like go into the wine business. I would. I would like buy a vineyard. Yeah. And you know, grow grapes and West Coast vineyard. Oh yeah. Ohio vineyard. Oh yeah. yeah. I would be. I would probably stick around. Well, I'm. Re- I really love Pinot Noir, so probably be. Willamette Valley in Oregon, or maybe like I'd go to Burgundy in France, or probably not California. It's not, I don't really like those Pinots as much, but yeah, I think just always thought that would be so fun and rewarding, like harvesting grapes and, you know, tasting the the actual, like literal fruit of your labor. Um, Yeah, I think that would be really fun. Everything from just like the business of making it to actually marketing it. building a tasting room right i could just talk about this all day but yeah i think that would be really interesting that yeah i mean matches up really well with some of the things you said earlier as far as getting to build a team Um, yeah that's true oh uh, my gosh get to work with people what a journey of self-discovery that's right (laughs) well that's what we're trying to do here this is uh like a therapy session with david snyder that's uh, i'm not qualified (laughs) for that but yeah (laughs) so um for current student about to enter the workforce, um, 
looking for their dream job post-grad, what, what advice would you have for them okay. getting started? Well, first, you, your dream job, you, what are the chances you know what your dream job is? Like, right. you know, I think I've had a really unique and unusual experience where I was 10 years old and I thought, I really want to, and you know, to some extent I am a storyteller and maybe I've retrofitted this story somewhat to make it sound really good. I did want to, I was really into Nike ads when I was a kid and I did want to work at Nike because I thought that's how ads got made, but the agency makes the ads. Anyway, I had this dream. I kind of went and did it. Oh my gosh. Like, how do I go get my dream job? No, it's not, it doesn't really work like that. You know, I think, um, the first, the first answer to your question is just like accepting that you're not going to know, you're probably not going to know what your dream job is to start like in college. hundred percent. I routinely say that, like, I don't have a dream job. And then I was like 12 years, however many years I am to my career now. And I'm like, Oh, all these things match up. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. You kind of figure it out as you go, you know? Um, so I think not putting, and I could take this advice myself, honestly, like not putting too much pressure on a choice. Like I have a bit of a Midwestern mentality and I think, oh, whatever I decide I'm going to do tomorrow is forever. Mm -hmm. And that's very stressful and it's super false, especially in 2022. Like just try something like if you're a little bit interested in it, it's a good start and, you know, do it for a year or two and learn and network and build from that and then do the next thing. You can you can move around as much as you want, you know? So I think that's my biggest piece of advice is not to put too much pressure on the first step because I remember doing that to myself. Yeah. And I and I still think that way and I have to talk myself out of it. Um, it's hard to break. I, I grew up in Coshocton, you know, not far from Newark and my grandpa got a job at the power plant and was there for his entire career and yeah. that's just kind of what yeah. I saw it's like totally you get a job and you're there yeah a hundred percent so and it's funny I have had both experiences like my dad had the same job for 20 plus years you know and my mom tried a new thing every year or two yeah. and I always felt really caught in between those two experiences but and I think it is you know it is somewhere in between those two experiences so I think like try to Whatever anyone can do to not feel that pressure of like making the exact perfect choice right out of the gates, because there is no exact perfect choice right out of the gates. I'm gonna bottle that answer and just sprinkle it all over. Just absolutely right. <laughs> uh, maybe sell it. We can sell it at the winery. Sounds that's good. Right. That's uh, <laughs> so. Uh, you know, just any before we wrap here, any final thoughts on your time at Denison? Any words of wisdom that you would like to pass along for those that um, you know still have a, a year or two left here, and maybe what not to miss out on, what to mm, do? Yeah, like I think, yeah, like everything you do kind of gets you. You know about the butterfly effect, and just yep. like if you change one little detail, it could completely alter the future of movie messed with me for a few weeks yeah Yeah. so it's I have no regrets about what I did or how I did it because it all got me to where I am and I wouldn't change anything I wouldn't change anything major um so take with a little bit of a grain of salt and I'm assuming when I answer this question that I can have everything be exactly the same about where I am in life right now but I want to change a couple things that I did at Denison and I think the first is, uh, I really, really pushed myself real so hard, and I didn't, 
I was a double major and I didn't have a lot of room after after my GE requirements. I didn't have a lot of room to like try things that were just really interesting to me. Um, and I was so I was very duty bound as a student, and I I did things that I thought were good for me. Um, and I, I'm really happy that I have the double major, and I'm, I wouldn't take back my math degree or my communication degree. I just wish I'd had more time to, you know, like take uh, an art class or a little bit more philosophy um, or maybe even like women's studies, gender studies, that kind of stuff. There's so much that interested me and um, I don't know how I could have got it all done, but back to, and I don't remember if I talked about this on the podcast or not, but my academic advisor really encouraged me to, to when I was choosing my thesis topic, pick something that I was interested in and, and not something I felt like I had to study. So I would, I would, if I had one or two, if I was a dentist and I had one or two years left, again, I would just like take a little bit of that pressure off. Like it's to me more important that you're really intensely enjoying the thing that you're studying and you're like passionate about it. It's going to get you to a better place. So I might change that. Um, and then I think like anything, whatever you, this is similar advice, but just what you can do to enjoy your experience and like get to get to know people on campus and just have have as much fun as you can because it is it is the most fun <laughs> one of the most fun stages of life so to take again circle back to even you know another conversation we were having within the podcast it's just like not taking it too seriously um i don't know those are my pieces of advice i like it but do you Less of a checklist of items and more of a do things because you like them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's good good advice for college for after. For what is that expression else. like? Find work you lo- find find something you love and you'll never work a day in your yeah. life or something like that. I don't know if I always agree with that. Sometimes I think you work you find something you love. It might make your it might make your thing you love work. But there is some truth in it, which is just life is short. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have professional passions. I have life passions. I don't, you know, there's some overlap, but yeah. that doesn't have to be 100% <laughs> yeah, totally. you know, all the time. So, good. Well, thank you so much for joining today. Really appreciate the conversation and, um, you know, wish you the best and, and what's to come and, and all your work with Wyden Kennedy. And if, um, you know, if anyone was interested in connecting with you, would they be able to do so on LinkedIn? Yeah. Find me on LinkedIn, yeah. Vanessa Miller. Uh, I work at Widen and Kennedy. It's an advertising agency in Portland, Oregon. Feel free to feel free to find me there. You could also reach out through the Knowlton Center. They hook you up with my email address or something like that. So I'm happy to talk to anyone who has any questions about anything we've talked about. Sounds fun. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Just want to give a huge thank you to Vanessa for joining the podcast and sharing. Uh, her time, her story, her insight with us. I really, really enjoyed the conversation and hope you, our listeners, uh, did as well. So if you are connected to Denison and you're doing a cool thing, feel free to drop me a message, snyderd at denison.edu. I would love to have you on the show and tell your story as well. So until next time, everyone, keep doing cool things.